Right to be Red podcast, episode number 131. Interview with Bob Yeager. You are listening to the Right to be Red podcast, and this is your host, Annie Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Right to be Read podcast, the podcast that inspires and encourages writers. I'm your host, Danny Alexander, and today we have yet another interview. But this interview is very, very useful. And believe me, you're going to get a very expensive personal coaching session with this interview. And today I will be talking to Bob Jaeger, and I hope I pronounce it correctly. And let me tell you who he is, and you will realize how good he is at what he does and how much you can learn from him in that respect. So in 1995, at the age of 17, Bob Jaeger was recruited from a local college to interview at a telemarketing firm called Dial America. Within two hours of the initial job orientation and with no formal sales experience, Bob was asked to head up training of over 30 sales teams across the country in his unique approach to selling. And why I'm saying that today's interview is very important and valuable is because at the end of this interview, you will learn how to create evergreen marketing campaign. Okay, so let's start the interview and see what you can learn. It's a little bit longer this time, but believe me, it's worth listening. Hello there, Bob, and welcome to the show. I'm really happy that you've come over. Oh, no, I appreciate you asking me to come on. It's really interesting. We have covered a lot of things on this podcast about uh, writing, about the inspiration, about the book marketing part and everything else. But uh, the main thing most of my writers struggle with is everything else that happens after the book has been written already. So sure. uh, so everything that comes after is seems to be more difficult than actually writing the book, which is not very easy either. So I guess today that's what I would like to concentrate on about, you know, what needs to be done once the book is completed, it's written, and whether everything that needs to be done should be done after it's written or, you know, most of the things should start parallel to writing. What would you say? Uh, it, it's a bit of both. I mean, you you create your, your marketing and sales plan um, before, during, and after writing your book. You know, um, I've worked with a lot of authors, and if they waited until they were done with their book, it would have been another year before they would have started marketing their book. Most of these authors were marketing their book before they ever even finished the first chapter. And the reason for that is, is because you have to create kind of an ethos, uh, a universe all its own with a community that's going to be the advocates of that book. And that's the way the Internet's working today. Uh, it's really about – it's not what you say about your book. It's about what everybody else is saying before the book is even released, right? The excitement, the buzz, the exhilaration that's built up. And I like that because – Sales and marketing is no longer, I'm going to tell you this message and you're going to buy this stuff. Sales and marketing is now a whole community of people are going to talk about this message together and they're going to make a group decision to buy it. 
Right. Okay. Yeah, I see. I mean, and, and it seems much more credible that way. I guess it, it is. You know, um, there's this old um, kind of sales adage we used to say: if you say your stuff is good, it might be good, right? Mm-hmm. If if I go out and tell people that your stuff is good and you're saying it's good, they say, "Well, it's it's probably good." But if a bunch of people are saying it's good, then nine times out of ten, it's probably good, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really what we're looking for in marketing anymore. And publishers are looking for that too. Like if you wanted to get – if I mean there's self-publishing that you can do for yourself and I'm sure you've talked about that, right? Yeah. But if you wanted to get a publisher to notice you, um, they're not overly concerned that you've done a lot of marketing yourself. They want to see that the book is marketable, right? Uh-huh. So if you already delved into – the social media side of things or the blogging or media releases, press releases, things like that, they see that people are paying attention and people are taking action on messages that are already published out there. Now they see that, hey, if we just add a little ad spend to this, if we add a little bit of media attention to this, if we get, you know, just add a little bit more effort to this, then we can take this to the level we want it to be at. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you just come to them with an idea for a book, well, they have 100,000 ideas for books sitting on their desk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So and that's how authors today have to differentiate themselves. That's why you see things like uh, people that self-publish like Twilight, you know, um, mm. you know. You know, these types of things. The reason they became popular is because they created a groundswell of recognition well before it was recognized by a movie company or an international publisher or anything like that. Right? Yeah. And today, what authors and marketers are doing is manufacturing media. They're literally manufacturing conversations between people and social networking. They're manufacturing media that the um, major media sources want to pay attention to, but not in the traditional way. We used to just release press releases and contact the Associated Press and, you know, buy ad space and things like that. Now it's pay attention to the small bloggers that the big media sources are actually reprinting their stories. Mm -hmm. So it's actually easier because when you identify who these bloggers are, um, many times they ask for guest authorship, guest articles for free. And you just write an article for them. They post it. They talk about your book a little bit. And now these bigger media sources are picking it up. And I don't think people know this, but there's hundreds of thousands of writers today. Their specific job is just to help manufacture media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's an amazing uh, industry. But it's been used in negative ways and it's been used in positive ways. The first place I tell authors to start is start releasing short little bits, short stories, short articles, short paragraphs. Get people talking about these things. And for those who haven't written their first book yet, it's really about publish, you know, 520 words and get a group on Facebook to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how that attention starts to gather and grow. So before, you know, your your audience is going to say, you know what, it'd be really cool if you expanded on that or if it went in this direction or went this way. Your audience is literally saying, write the book about this and yeah. we'll buy it. Okay, yes. So basically, you mentioned manufacturing media. 
And, uh, you know, when, when someone is just starting, all these media channels and all these possibilities are so many that he may feel overwhelmed. So what's the process? Like, you know, if you're just starting, you have all these options, you know, the open options you could eventually use. But also, I mean, you, you don't really want to try all of them because you won't be able to sustain all of them at the same time. Sure. Uh, how do you go about this? I mean, do you try everything a bit to see how it resonates with you? Or how do you choose where to start at, basically? Yeah, well, you start at home. I say this all the time. If you look at um, your own blog or website, that's your home, right? Uh-huh. But what what a lot of writers try to do is get everybody to come to their, their home. Well, I'm not coming to your house until I've socialized with you a bit, right? I'm not coming over by myself because I don't know you yet. Right? True, true. Um, if you look at social networking, Twitter is kind of like um, – it's almost like a little nightclub, Right. Just quick little bits of socialization. It, it's not anything serious. You're just kind of hanging out, chit-chatting a little bit. Facebook is more of a meetup or uh, with groups or a um, a party at somebody's house or even a high school reunion, right? Yeah, could be. Yeah, you're reconnecting. You're reconnecting or you're starting connections and you're merging yourself into groups, which all writers should join as many writer groups as they can, and not. Try to get something out of people, but try to contribute something to those people, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you go into these groups and these places with the agenda of I'm going to give something to these people, um, some inspiration, um, critiques of their work, um, little stories that I've written. Maybe they can get inspiration by the modeling or the style of writing that I've done, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you look at something like, say, YouTube – YouTube's our own little broadcasting network, isn't it? It is, yeah. We get to talk about anything we want to. It's just like podcasting in a sense. Um, social broadcasting, where, whether it be Blab or podcasts or YouTube or even Google Hangouts, if you, if you want to call that social broadcasting, all of these things have given us the ability to have our own broadcasting network if we want it. But the mistake people are making is they're saying, oh, I got to come up with like an hour's worth of content. No, five minutes is fine. But what authors have to start doing is something they didn't do a long, long time ago, and that was show their face. They have to be put a face to the brand, a face to the book, a face to the what they're writing. Oh, right? uh, yeah, which may be a bit hard for writers because most of them are introverts. I guess. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And uh, and I know a lot of sales and marketing guys that are actually introverts as well. And that's why they don't get out there and sell more, right? And what I've told them time and again is, you know, a face isn't necessarily an image of you. It could be you could have somebody from Fiverr draw a character of you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like a cartoon character of sorts. Um, and you can do a slide presentation, record it on Camtasia and put it onto YouTube, right? Oh, yeah. So it do- doesn't necessarily have to be your face, but it has to be your voice going along with it, right? Now imagine this. Imagine if an author decided to take some of this advice and write short little excerpts and contribute those to groups on Facebook. And then take some of those expert- excerpts that they've written and read them for short little YouTube videos, two-minute videos, right? Mm-hmm. 
and then what if they wrote on their own blog a longer story and they read those and submitted those as their podcasts, audio books for free on a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're in a world where I have to pay for audio books. Well, what if you were given these short stories as audio books as a podcast, right? And you start contributing this to all these different networks. I will tell you this right now. People are going to tell you what they like, what they don't like. But most importantly, people are going to say, how can I get more? Yeah. So so can we say actually that, you know, the main thing that if you just, you know, put this in general terms is you basically have to get out there to try to provide value. And with the time, people will start noticing and actually consuming, getting the taste of what you are producing and later on asking for more. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really it, it's the same thing I tell Internet marketers all the time when I'm training them. It's publish every day something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, could, it could be a one liner. It could be a soundbite. Um, it could be a feature length video, whatever. Publish something each and every day. Right. Hone your skills. I work with a lot of copywriters. I train a lot of copywriters. And I tell them all the time, put the keyboard away, get out a notepad and start with pen and paper and write and write and write. Write that copy out. If you saw a great copy that you really loved, write it out longhand. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it's the same with if you want exposure on the internet, then every single day you got to produce something. It doesn't have to be something extraordinary or epic. Just something, right? And and get familiar with how everything works, what it looks like on the screen, knowing that internet readers can only read maybe three lines per paragraph before they get reader fatigue. Mm-hmm. So keep your paragraphs short, right? And start experimenting with those things and seeing where where are people clicking on your website? Where where are they going next? What are they commenting on on social media, right? And a lot of people might say, well, I only have you know 20 or 30 or 50 social media followings. Join a group. That number will triple by yeah. the end of the week. Yeah. Right? But only if you contribute. I always say when you go into a group, um, contribute something or even ask a question that's beneficial. Like you're, you're saying to everybody, what's the biggest problem that you have? Because I'm really trying to figure out a way to deliver a solution to you through maybe a video or a blog post. But I'd really like to know more about you guys. And then shut up and listen. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Let them answer that question. And do your best to respond to each one of those comments. Right? Oh, yeah. Then pe- people just automatically start to seek you out. And if you already have your website in place and that's listed on your profile and you already have stories there and you have a release date of that book that you're going to be writing, well, now imagine what that's going to look like, right? Then imagine if you just publish it as a Kindle right out the gate and for 24 hours on the first day of release, you give it away for free. How many reviews do you think you're going to get? Right. So it's really about give, 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 give. And just because of the law of reciprocity, people are feeling obligated to give back. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I've been in in some groups uh, for writers on Facebook. I mean, those groups are like huge, over 10,000 members. But you end up seeing mm -hmm. the same names who are commenting and providing value and stuff like that. So maybe around 20 people out of those 10,000. And whenever these 20 people come out and ask for some advice or ask for some support or have a book launch, you know, uh, most of the 
people in the group who have benefited are very willing to actually, you know, go ahead and help those people out. Oh, yeah. there. I mean, it, it's a community. It, it becomes a family. I mean, if you were to go to an event and all those people showed up, everybody would be giving each other hugs, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. You'll feel like you've known them forever. Um, I, I worked with an author. I, I can't say his name, sadly. I signed an NDA with him. Um, okay. But when he first when he first started out, he said, um, I can't get people to pay attention to my stuff. I said, well, you know how you get people to pay attention to your stuff, right? And he goes, no, how's that? I'm like, find the most popular people in your group that have their own websites that, that actually have readers and say something like, hey, you know, I was looking it up the other day and the average article to be written for somebody's website is between $50 or $10 all the way up to $150 an article. And I just think that's ridiculous. So here's what I'm going to do. For the next 15 people that have a really good website that gets readers, that gets traffic, I'm going to write you four articles this month for free, original stories Mm -hmm. for free. I'm going to give them to you and you can publish them. All I ask is that you let people know about the book I'm going to be releasing or the, the website that I have, right? And that's just article marketing 101 basically. But in this approach, you're really focused on this one group of people, right? And you know as well as I do, as a writer, you may not be able to sit down in a month and finish your book, which there is a way to finish a book within like 30 days. It's really easy. But you 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 have all these other stories in your head that don't fit into that book that you're working on, right? There's all these other stories that you got floating around in there. Uh-huh. Write one down and give it away, right? Let people experience your writing. And through that – you're going to get better at it and people are going to start paying attention, right? Yeah. Well, I I really love what I'm hearing here because I have had many arguments with people about, you know, SEO, about email opt-in forms and, you know, many different things that are not specifically human and relationship-based. Yeah, well, today's SEO is different than I, – I mean, I had my own SEO company. Today's today's SEO is different than it was five, even ten years ago. Um, it's – today's SEO, although you do still have to use some keywords and things like that, it's really about engagement. It's about sharing images. It's about video. It's about social media. It's really about the search engines pay more attention to something that has a conversation attached to it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Cuz they want current and they want relevant and they want popular. Okay, so right? which which proves that actually you have to uh, concentrate more on the human side of the things and on on connecting with people and on on real dialogues and relationships, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I love that because over the past decade um, companies have really pulled away from things like communicating with their customers or customer support or you know engaging with their marketplace like they used to do trade shows and things like that. Um, and well, you know people like Seth Godin, Jay Abraham, many people right now are saying, hey, you have to engage with this audience. It's no longer a market at you yeah. type of environment. It's, it's like Alex Jeffrey says, marketing with you. It has to be inclusive, not exclusive, all right? So, like, exclusive is the old corporate environment. There's these guys upstairs. They make all the decisions. You just do what they tell you, 
right? Mm -hmm. Inclusive is more of, I, I hate to say it, but it's true, more of like a military environment where it's not like chain of command. It's, hey, we expect you to think on your feet and to come up with solutions yourself, right? Yeah. And to have conversations with your with your platoon and all of you come together. Well, that's what marketing is today. And that's what that's what all of this is today. It's an inclusive environment. Everybody has to be included. Everybody has to be listened to. There has to be active conversations all the time. Okay, so let's imagine I'm just trying to kind of, you know, to forecast the counter arguments of people who are listening right now. And I'm mm. sure that, you know, uh, you know, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. Uh, but I also know that sometimes building that up takes a lot of time. And mm. the results may not come uh, so fast. So you have this yep. period when you're doing things and you're not seeing results, you're not seeing engagement yet. And uh, you need to actually believe and stay self-motivated to carry on. So those are like the periods when most of uh, the people actually give up. And, yep. uh, you know, what would be your advice? I mean, how, especially if you are not self-confident yet especially if you're not really you have writer's dubs and you're not sure that your writing is good enough and stuff like that it's even more difficult to actually kind of believe in yourself and keep pushing forward because hmm. not seeing the results may seem like you know just the reality answer that you know yes you're you, you know it doesn't work just because you're not good enough that's that that's the reason not because you you haven't pushed further so right. what should they do in that period which i think is the hardest somehow well i'm going to tell you two things and one one's kind of a um a way to to look at why you're not getting results in a certain amount of time okay and the other one is what you should do every single day for a certain amount of time. So take take out a piece of paper. Everybody that's listening, just take out a sheet of paper, okay? And from left to right, draw a line to about a quarter of the way across the page and then make a big hill that goes up and all the way back down and then a line straight across to the right, okay? So you get this big mountain, all right? There was a study done at one of the Harvard Business Institutes or whatever schools, right? That said, that straight line that leads up to the hill is about 15 days. The reason they did this study was um, there's all these 30-day challenges out there for weight loss, for yeah. business yeah. startups, all kinds of things, mm -hmm. right? And what they found was that most people saw little to no results within the first 30 days, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why. If you go across 15 days, you're just kind of like approaching the plan that you've created, all right? That's kind of like the planning phase. It, you're, you're just kind of figuring out what it is you're going to be doing. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go halfway up that hill, that's about 30 days. Now, you know as well as I do, the hardest part of saying like bicycling or running is going up the hill, yeah. right? Definitely. The one thing you're looking forward to is getting over that hump, right? Mm-hmm. Well, funny enough, just past the hump, just just barely past the hump is around 60 days Okay. Mm -hmm. of anything you're trying to achieve. And the downhill ride is the, 60, the next 30 days, 60 to 90 days. 
Okay, and downhill that that easy slide. That's that's where you're going to see the most results. A friend of mine, he's a mentor to a lot of big Wall Street guys, um, Steve Denunzio. He said one time, "You can take the easy path, right? It's like let's put more dollars onto advertising. Let's just game the system. Let's mm-hmm. get a bunch of JVs to promote this thing. And here's what happens when you do all those things: you get the hard result." Because a lot of people don't realize if you're throwing all these money at, this money at ads and you're getting all these JVs to promote, by the time you're done, you don't get to keep too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to start all over again. And if, if you look at, say, like the internet marketing or information marketing businesses, there's a reason why people are launching product after product after product. It's because they didn't get to keep after taxes and fees and affiliates and refunds. They didn't get to keep hardly anything at all. They could have done a million dollar launch and they kept thirty, forty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And if they would have done it right, if they would have done it correctly, they would have took that first part to plan properly or at least to learn a already working plan. Okay. Oh, yeah. Then for the next third for the next fifteen to sixty days, fifteen to sixty days through there, that's when they're gonna work that plan, day in, day out. At least an hour a day, at least two hours a day, whatever it takes, day in, day out. Get something done each and every single day that gets you over the hump, right? Past that 60 days, when they started seeing results and they start actually seeing, you know, if I do this, this is what happens. They're getting conversion results, right? That's when you start inviting other people to talk about it. That's when you start paying for advertising and things, because you're on the downhill slope. It's only going to get easier from there. Okay, yeah. So mm-hmm. Steve's other end of that scenario was, so the first path that most people take is easy, the easy path and get the hard results, right? Mm-hmm. If you take that tougher path and you stick with it until you get over the hump, you're going to get the easy result. Oh, yeah. And the long-term results, I guess. Also. Right. So, so I used to give my students a challenge. I used to teach this... Uh, writing and traffic course. People, mostly there was authors, there was personal development coaches, all kinds of people in this class. And I said, I'm going to challenge you to each and every single day, each day for the next 90 days, find based on one keyword, just one that you want to get search listings for. Okay. Write a blog post around that similar topic each and every single day. It could be 300 words. It could be 1,000 words. It could be 500 words. doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. So make sure those keywords are showing up in your title, in your description, within the body of the work, right? And don't worry about a call to action. Don't worry about somebody buying something, any of those things. Post every day, then share on social media every day. Look up social bookmarking. It's really easy to do. Find a few social bookmarking sites and bookmark that post, do it again the next day, the next day, the next day, every day for 90 days. You know, most SEO companies have charged, and my company has charged, tens of thousands of dollars a month to do proper traffic generation, SEO, and advertising for companies each and every month, right? Mm-hmm. And the number one thing good SEO companies tell the corporations that they're working with is that it takes us at least 90 days to figure out what works for you. Wow. Because to get organic stickiness, where not only do you get listings, not only do you get traffic, but it it actually becomes consistent. It sticks. 
it takes at least 90 days. Mm. That's when we know exactly how much they should be investing in advertising, what's working, what's not working, what conversion rates are, where the great traffic's coming from, where bad traffic's coming from, right? And then for the next for the next 90 days after that, we're working straight on the plan of the strongest things, the things that are working the best. That's where our focus – we get rid of all the weak stuff and we focus on only the strong stuff. So we're maximizing their profit potential, right? So the minimum contract that most SEOs take is six months because if you give us less than that, we can't really do much with that. Yeah, I see. You'll always be starting over again. Marketing for your own book, writing a book, all these things – you should be giving yourself at least 90 days. It's not saying that it'll take that long, but you should give yourself that amount of time, but make sure you do something each and every day that leads you towards your end result, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. So let's just, I was just wondering, maybe this is more applicable to nonfiction writers than fiction ones, but I was just wondering when you are selling, a, let's say you have a new book and when you are selling a book, which component is more important? I mean, since you've built up the relationships and you had this content, which was, you know, created by you and you have manufactured media. So basically your personality and personal brand has been more or less established. What plays bigger role? I mean, you and yourself and the fact that you have written that book or the book itself and its content and its quality? The character. The story of the character. Not the story that's going to be in the book, but who that character is. And how does that character relate to everybody else that's going to be reading that story, right? Now, some people will say, well, I'm writing vampire novels. I don't think that relates to everybody. Oh, yes, there's a whole subculture and oh, yeah. vampirism, True. right? And and goth and and people that just love vampire stories, right? Um, there's a reason why they like vampires. It's a beauty. It's a mysteriousness. It's the um, you know, it's almost like this fountain of youth type thing, right? Yeah. And there's that danger, but there's always that story attached to a good vamp. A, a good vampire character always has this story of sadness before they became immortal. Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a realistic struggle that they went through that possibly the readers have gone through themselves, where where they were an outcast or they were made fun of or whatever it may be. Right, the story of that person is is what people are buying. They're not buying you as an author. They're not really buying the book itself. They buy the characters. They fall in love with the characters. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of people fill up a lot of space in like their first book to tell the whole backstory of this one character, or they'll do that in book two. They'll do a flashback sequence or oh, yeah. something. What if your marketing was the backstory of this character? Mm. Your entire marketing campaign is this character's backstory leading up to, to the, the book, yeah. the next part of the story, right? Do you think by the time people buy that book, they'd be like, wow, I really know this person. I'm in love with this character. I like this character. I I feel like I can relate to this character. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. He's a vampire now? How cool is that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And they need to know that next part, right? And when the marketing of a book is really about the imagery and the character, there's that one character that they're going to fall in love with, Right. For the the marketing of Lord of the Rings, a lot of people are like, oh, the, you know, obviously that they should come out with The Hobbit 
because that's the story everybody was familiar with well before Lord of the Rings, right? The Hobbit. Yeah. But they didn't they they talked about Frodo Baggins, not Bilbo, where Bilbo was the Hobbit character, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody's like that are familiar with that line is who's this Frodo guy? People that weren't familiar with the 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 Frodo character were more attracted to the Lord of the Rings story, right? Mm-hmm. So there's two cultures. One culture is going to be attracted to the type of story, and another culture is going to be attracted to the character type, right? Yeah. So, and people say, well, which one do I market to? Both. It's called a split test. <laughs> see, <laughs> see who's going to take more actions, talk more, and buy more books. Yeah. Right? I see. Yeah. So how do you balance this? I mean, everything we speak about takes quite a lot of time. I mean, I, I don't say it takes all your time, but still, you know, you need to produce this media. Uh, you need to produce the uh, to write up the things that you need for the marketing. And you need to actually to go out and put yourself out there. And mm-hmm. parallel to that, you also need to write that book, actually. So how do you balance this out and how do you make sure that you have uh, dedicated enough time and attention as needed to, to both? I'll give you an example. Like I, I write and record products for and, and design campaigns and all these other different things for multiple clients each and every single month. Um, do you know how many people work for me? Uh, no. <laughs> take, take a guess. How many people do you think work for me? I work for, you know, uh, entrepreneurs, multi-million and multi-billion dollar corporations, fundraisers, all kinds of different things. How many? How much staff do you think I have? Well, now that you ask me, I, I should guess that it's uh, zero. <laughs> I have no no employees. Okay. I haven't had employees in 10 years. <laughs> um, I have students that I've worked with that I saw became superstars at what they do. And when I have a client that needs a specific thing that they can do, I have that client hire them to do it, right? So I only take on the things that I'm really strong at. That's what it really comes down to. But when I started marketing myself, which wasn't until about 2005, um, I said, well, look, I have to write stuff. I have to record stuff. I have to make myself known. I have to have conversations with the industry. Mm Mm-hmm events and all all these different things. And I said the same thing. It's too much work. It takes too much time, right? But what I had to learn how to do was multiply out the content. A lot of people call it content syndication. Mm -hmm. I don't don't see it as syndication more as uh, making each piece of content that you create into multimedia formats, okay? Okay. So I'll write an article that's, say, 1,500 words. Not too difficult, right? Yeah, sure. Within that article, I'll have that main topic, which is my primary keyword, and then I'll have, say, five to ten subtopics, which are secondary keywords related to that primary keyword, right? Mm-hmm. And throughout that article, you know, 1,500 words isn't really a lot to cover five to ten subtopics, is it? Yeah. So I'm just going to lightly brush on each of those topics, just summarize each one of those topics and, and check this out. From that one article, I could create five to ten different blog posts that are specifically about each of those topics, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
And since I've already written some about it and I've already researched it, it doesn't take long to write a five, six hundred, seven hundred word article about each one of those, does it? Yeah, it's quicker. Yeah. Okay. Now let's say I want to do some video marketing and some podcasting. Now that that comes more difficult, doesn't it? No. What I do is I take the subtopics from each of the articles I've written and I make slides out of each one. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I have blog post one and it's got four little subtopics in it, <clears throat> well, what I'm going to do is create a slide presentation that has a cover slide with the title of that blog post. And then each of my slides is just going to have one line of text. It's going to be the subtopics. And I'm just going to read the article while I'm recording the screen capture. Mm-hmm. That's my video. Okay, and it's like a minute or two long. It's not that long, right? So you take the and audio g- and it's the podcast, right? There you go. You're getting <laughs> it, right? Now, the featured length is that main article, that first one I wrote, the 1500-word one, right? So my PowerPoint presentation for that and my video for that and my podcasts for that, it's going to be a, a bit longer, right? Mm-hmm. That's my featured piece, all right? Now, to go further, I could use a software like PictoChart. It's P-I-K-T-O-C-H-A-R-T.com. You can get a free account and create an infographic. Create a big one for the big article and bring, create a bunch of little ones for the little articles. Then I can send those to image sharing sites, Pinterest, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now, and I title each one of those files as I save them the keyword that they're associated with. The primary keyword that each one's associated with. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As I publish these things out to the internet, guess what I'm doing? I'm literally dominating for each of those keyword phrases. Because nobody else is publishing that much content around each one of those keywords in that specific period of time. Right? And if I'm sharing them through YouTube, podcasting, pinging my podcast through different, you know, podcast directories, right? Uh, Pinging my blog posts through social bookmarking sites and ping directories. And if I'm posting it on social media and say, hey, guys, you know what? I wrote that article the other day and you guys commented on that. That's really cool. Well, there's all those topics within that article. I wrote a piece on each one of those and I'm going to release them each day, right? So check this out. One article also becomes, let's say at minimum, five blog posts. You have six pieces of content, right? Mm-hmm. You have six videos. You have six podcasts, right? But not only that, you have six PowerPoint presentations, don't you? Oh, yeah. You can turn those into PDF files and PowerPoints and share them on document sharing sites. You title them with their titles, with their keywords, with their descriptions, Right then, you have those infographics. You think you can share, save those as PDFs and share them on document document sharing sites? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your each one of these pieces of content multiply out to six to twelve more, to 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 twenty more. If you were to create an article with ten subtopics, ten blog posts, ten videos, ten podcasts, ten PowerPoints. And 10 PowerPoints saved as PDFs, 10 infographics, 10 infographics saved as PDF. By the time you're done, you're going to have anywhere between 65 to 80 pieces of content. And you create that all within a week or three. Oh, yeah. You have enough content, though, to post for two, three months. Exactly. See, we don't, we don't create it each and every single day. We do the writing part first. Then we do the PowerPoint part next. Then we may do the infographic part next. Then we record the videos next. And we don't have to record the audio because we recorded the video. We could just resave it as an MP3. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 
And then I'm going to submit it to all these different directories. I'm going to bookmark, ping, post on social media, right? Mm-hmm. Do you see how that rolls out and it just keeps working and working? Now imagine, now imagine it's all fiction writing. Not not any how-tos or, you know, get this information. No, just based on fiction stories that you're writing, short little stories. The funny part is you could do all that. And if it all related to one another, by the end of that month that you created that content, you probably have most of the collateral together that you need to create your book. Oh, yeah. True. It's, it's just a different, more creative approach. You can do it any way you like. You can do as little or as much. You just make sure that you publish every single day. Publish something every single day. Yeah. Well, it's, no. yeah, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, ta I taught a course on that a while back. People were asking me to do it again but i'm like eh, eh. <laughs> yeah. so basically yeah. i've been doing that but on a smaller scale so i you know yeah now i see more possibilities about this okay <laughs> yeah I, that's the that is probably you know give everybody a little tip out there if you get good at doing that kind of thing that's probably the one thing that clients hire me most for is to write that campaign for them create that content for them and help them publish distribute that content right Because to them, it's just overwhelming. It's so big. Yeah, and right? the good thing is basically if you do it once, you know, the next times it's much, much easier and faster, I presume. Yeah, yeah you, you just have to consider your main article, which has a main video and a main PowerPoint and a main infographic. Those are your pillar pieces of content. Mm -hmm. most, it, most of the attention that you want to have drawn towards all of this media is those four pieces of pillar content, right? Because those are the big ones. Yeah. You can even t turn up, you can take that long article, put it as an introduction and, and then add on all those other blog posts and release a short book or a report. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's that's the thing people would want to opt in for. Exactly. Yeah. If they are and interested that's how you start in the subject, definitely. Right. Right. And, you know, a, a trick to it is, is um, really take the fiction side of what you do, that story that you have in your mind that you're writing or that you're going to write, and ask yourself, how could I re write like kind of like the pre-frame story, right? Mm -hmm. And have it work with today's events or work with a point in history that's relevant to that story, right? Mm-hmm. Because people are looking for things that are currently going on right now or, you know, past big things that they, they celebrate or that they want to think about, right? Or even holidays, right? Oh, yeah. See how you can inject what they're thinking about now, basically, into that. Whether it's a trending topic now, whether it's almost Christmas time and you inject that in there or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's really where you want to be in, in, in a seasonal way, in a historical way, and in, in a future pacing way. You want to make sure that your short stuff relates to now and leads into your book, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so basically, I mean, uh, now I'm kind of <laughs> thinking about this. In, in about 40 minutes, you gave out a whole, like, you know fundamental marketing plan for basically any book anyone yeah a, a, will be anybody that's to write. <laughs> yeah anybody that's marketing content uh, uh, a book and um, 
uh, a how-to course, an info product. Um, honestly, that same campaign, I've used that for a health and nutrition company that sold physical products. I mean, I've used it for hundreds of different types of companies. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty universal and, and I'm sure that it works every single time. So basically, once you get the skills out there and you try it once and you kind of, you know, see how it works, you can basically um, duplicate and then, you know, do the third and fourth book and et cetera, et cetera. It kind yeah, of- and you can you can roll that into, you know, if, if you're writing that, that pre-framing piece, uh, you know, collection of content. And you're going to be releasing your book thereafter, right after. You can roll that content campaign into a virtual book tour. Guest oh, yeah. posting on other people's blogs to promote your own book, right? Yeah. So you could use that pre-frame material to roll into the virtual book tour that rolls into the launch of the book, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, And what you've just created, and this is this is the part I think most people won't connect with until I say it. You've just created an evergreen marketing campaign, meaning that well after that book has launched, that collateral is still going to be working for you. Oh, yeah. It's still out there generating traffic, right? Oh, yeah. Exactly. And that's what I like. If it's not evergreen, I don't want it. If I have to keep doing it over and over and over and over again, um, creating something new to boost my sales and all these other different things, I, I just don't want it. I want to be able to sell my stuff or like most authors will find out, it's not necessarily the money you make from a book. It's what the book does for you. It's the, the, the more recognition, a check from a publisher, oh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That first Speaking book is gigs. what mm. – yep, that's it. So what you have to look at is the money I make from the sales should – a lot of that should be invested back into the marketing of the book, the advertising of the book. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Getting Getting in front of more – more eyes, more readers, like you said, speaking gigs, and they'd probably be paid speaking gigs because you're the author of, right? Yeah. So, so it it turns into all these other things, and a lot of people are like, I don't want to do all that stuff. I want to be the guy that sits in a cabin and writes his books. Then do that. Then do that. That's fine, right? But you have to think all this stuff I create today is going to be used tomorrow, next month, next year, the year after. And that campaign I described to you, I started doing that same thing in 2006. And people said, oh, you don't have to do all that. I'm like, I know I don't have to. But I could see where the internet was going to. And now everybody's trying to race to catch up. Yeah, I mean, because everyone thought that they didn't have to, so they didn't, and you did, which and gave you a competitive advantage from the start. Yeah, and I never did the uh, link baiting or the keyword stuffing or the traffic loopholes or the Google this and that. No, I just wrote stuff that people wanted to read based upon topics they were looking for. That's it. Yeah, I see. So... If we try to wrap this up, I'm I'm just trying to look at the best case scenario. So we did all that. It worked. Our book is doing great. We have already audience in place and we have fans uh, of the character and the story and everything works great. Now, uh, how are we making sure that we keep the connection and keep the engagement with our readers? Do we make something separate for them? Like, I don't know, the email list and we have a special content for them or how do you keep this engagement and connection with them? 
Well, you can create a Facebook group for them, or you can create a podcast that's titled around your book. Um, there's a lot of different ways. It's, it's just really about allow them to be part of the community. You could do a Google. This is awesome. I don't think anybody's done this yet, so here's something new. Um, okay, you guys are familiar with Google Hangouts, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So used to be, and still today, after an author released a book and it was doing well, what would the author do? A book reading at a certain location or something, right? Oh, yeah. What if you did a Google Hangout book reading and you talked about the different elements of the book for your oh, yeah. readers? Well, I'll, I'll tell even more. I mean, these days, uh, Blob is doing much better than Google Hangouts in terms of interaction well, and engagement. No? What I try to do is I try to separate the space. I, I don't like Google Hangouts. I, I didn't like it when it was in beta and hardly anybody was using it and we were de- helping to develop it. I, I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. But... I'll put a big butt in there. If you're regularly doing something like Blab or a podcast or YouTube videos, then when you do something special for a group of people, for a smaller group of people, VIP type stuff, then you want to change the environment, right? Ah, uh, okay. And okay, also so maybe might... make it private so it's not accessible right, for right. everyone. It, it's yeah. a hangout True. just for these readers, private screening of the book, basically. True. Right? True. Yeah. Or you could use go to webinar. Like it has to be, you know, if you don't usually communicate through it, that's probably the place you want to do it. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it gives people this exclu- this feeling ex- of exclusivity. And that's at the end of the day, if you want to know what your market wants. It's when they fall in love with you or your product or your book, your story, your characters, they want more of you. Yeah. They want to they want to be able to tell you directly and have a conversation with you directly on what they think of you and your stuff. Yeah, okay. and, and most probably they want to feel special as well, I guess. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people say, "Well, what about all the negative people that don't like my stuff?" Tell them thanks for coming. You appreciate their opinion. You hope you enjoyed the rest of the story and move on to the next person. Oh, yeah. I that's, agree. It's, that's, it's... that's how you handle any type of controversy in social media in general. Thank you so much for posting. I appreciate your opinion. I don't necessarily agree with it, but thank you for sharing your thoughts for everybody else. And move on. Yeah, agree. I mean, just, you know, getting into that doesn't, you know it's not worth the time the effort and you know the negative environment that you create around that yeah yeah that's it and that's that's where a lot of people's confidence um when when they do something like writing or or putting themselves out there branding themselves um that's where the confidence starts to draw back they'll get that one negative comment and it makes you feel bad and you're like oh my god that made me feel bad i don't want 20 of those or 100 of those Mm. well there's no such thing as bad press. Okay? So when you handle a situation where somebody's being a hater or being negative to you in a very constructive, positive way, being the bigger person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you never have to put that person down. You never have to talk badly about them, any of those things. Because when you build that community we talked about, they'll take care of that end of things for you. But as soon as you become the defensive person, you become the bully. Yeah. Nobody likes a defensive person, right? True. True. Thank them for their opinion. Tell them that you don't necessarily agree with it, but you really appreciate the fact that they brought that part of the conversation to light for everybody else. If your community loves you enough, 
they will make that person just go away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So you, you never have to be the, the bad guy, basically, unless your persona is the bad guy. If that's your brand, like there's a copywriter, Colin Terrio, he's not a bad guy and he doesn't portray himself, but he portrays himself as this raunchy, I'll say whatever I want to say type of guy. Yeah. And people have hammered him for it. And he's very controversial because he'll just turn that keep. He loves to stretch that conversation out. But that's his brand. If that was me, they'd just go away. (laughs) It would just go away. Well, I I guess. Just, you know, it, it also depends on your personality, you know, if, if he's partly like that and he enjoys that, then it works. If you're just playing that role, you know, you, you won't be able to carry on for much longer, I guess. Well, well, that's it. I mean, there's a part of him that is like that. I know him personally. Uh, personally, he's just like the greatest guy in the world. Um, but he has those moments where he's just kind of like, I don't agree with you and you're an ass for saying it, right? You can bleep that out. But uh, <laughs> And that's just his – it's a small part of a, a kind of like underlying part of his personality, yeah. right? So he accentuates that part in his marketing where like with me – I think a lot of people, because I was in the martial arts and all these different things, and they see like my black and white photos and the the boxing stuff sometimes, and they're like, oh, he's this hardcore gruff hunting guy, and he does fighting and works on (laughs) big trucks. And well, yeah, I do that stuff, and I like doing that stuff, but I'm very spiritually centered. I have two little kids. I'm happily married, and I live on a farm, you know? So, so, you know, people might see that imagery out there, but, you know, the people in my market, which is most of my customers are women, surprisingly. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, go figure. Um, they, They like it because they don't like all of it. They, they want to problem with some of it, but once they, they kind of listen to what I have to teach and everything, they can't really find a problem with what I do. Mm. Right. Mm. So there's, I guess it's like a mysteriousness of source. They can't quite figure out why they like me. Right. (laughs) And so I play on that. I'm not afraid to say what I think, but I don't put anybody down in the process. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, actually, um, no matter what you do, whether you're you're a writer or a coach or, you know, anything to do with audience, people have to like you, the people who are around you and who are actually buying your books, reading your books or taking coaching from you because you can't really detach from the personality. You can't Mm -hmm. detach from the person because, I mean, that's who you work with that's who you read and and you know um, more or less it it always plays a role maybe a bit less if you don't show your personality that much so they don't really see it but mm-hmm. um, but but if you do it it definitely will imp- have some kind of impact on what you do i guess yeah i think the last thing i could leave everybody with is you know just just remember this one thought Today's marketing for anything you're doing, whether it's a business or a book or whatever, your own personal image, you have to put a face and a voice to it now. It's not just – you have to give people a character, um, a persona, a tone, and a story that they can embrace in a conversation they can continue on with. It's, It's no longer just put it out there and people are going to get it because you said so. You have to be willing to engage with people at this point. 
Okay, guys, I'm pretty transparent about my processes of how I create the podcast and how I create the content. And uh, here, actually, uh, the internet connection kind of, you know, ditched us and we had problems connecting again. And um, that's basically how we finished it up in a little bit weird way. So that was all I had from Bob. And I'm sure that you've had more than enough. I hope you will absorb it. Maybe Maybe you will need to listen to this one more time and I really hope that you will try this strategy because it does work and I hope that this strategy will help you become uh, successful authors selling many books. As to me, before we leave, uh, I have followed the advice, the you know, the latest advice that in the very last minute Bob was telling me about. And that was engaging with people. And I engage with people mainly these days on Blab, which is a live streaming platform where four people can talk on video and many people can follow and chat and interact. And it really works great. I love it so far. I had really great results up to now with Blab. And I have a very special offer for my audience. Just check it out at www.publishmybook.today backward slash blab, B-L-A-B. And you'll get all the details there. So thanks a lot for listening. Have a great week. And I'll meet you in the next episode.